This presentation is from UX Australia 2020, day four. Okay, that brings us to our uh, final presentation for this year's UX Australia. We have Ash and Simon from Tobias joining us. Uh, they will appear briefly. Hey, how's it going? Very well. I'll hand over to you two. Thanks for coming. Thanks. And over Alrighty. to you. Right. Uh, you guys seeing everything? Yes. yes. Lovely. Over to you. Okay. Well, thank you so much for uh, giving us the stage today. Um, I'm Simon, Simon Tobias, and today with Ash Donaldson, we want to tell you about our journey into the world of venture capitalism, art and health, believe it or not. It's a story of the power of design and anthropology and how it can be applied to more or less any sector, no matter how esoteric. So design can be a powerful tool, certainly for traditionally quite conservative spaces too, like mergers and acquisitions, the subject of today. So this is a story about how we took a strategic design approach to bring together three very different companies and align them on a shared people-centered value proposition and practice so that they can own an emergent health category in the US. It's also a story though about the power of design thinking and doing and its ability to transform organizations and drive authentic experiences and valuable outcomes for clients, staff, and investors. So for us, it all started, well, for me, it all started one Saturday morning, pretty much this time last year in August when I received a, a phone call from, from America, uh, relaxing with my coffee. Uh, I resisted the instinctive urge to bounce a strange number from overseas. And I'm so glad I did. You know, the voice from the other end was uh, familiar, one I hadn't heard for a while. Uh, she said, hi, Simon, it's Joe. Do you remember me? I need your help to design a market-leading value proposition to own a multi-million billion dollar industry. And can you start next week? Oh, and what do you know about tattoos, which in my case is very little, was very little. So the last time I'd spoken with Joe was when she was working at Bupa Health. So they just bought uh, Dental Corp and it's 200 clinics spread across Australia and New Zealand. Now, Bupa wanted us to figure out the special source, find out what an exceptional dental experience looked like so that they could in turn scale this more broadly. So on that project, we conducted consumer research as well as in-clinic research, observing and interviewing patients, dentists, assistants, practice managers, principals, and reception, so pretty comprehensive. So through this process, we were able to codify best practice distilling this into experience principles and protocols so that we could share knowledge and best practice across the group. So shortly after this engagement, uh, Joe was headhunted by, the v by a VC firm, Norman B Capital, uh, the company that uh, had bought and then sold Dental Corp to, well, built actually, and sold Dental Corp to uh, Bupa. So they have a really interesting model. And uh, we'll let Chris, the principal there, tell you about this. <laughs> their latest, uh, their latest uh, venture, well, what he basically said, I'll, I'll we'll, we'll go through this. So their latest venture, Tattoo Removal Partners, or TRP, was a play to dominate a fast-growing yet immature sector and laser tattoo removal. So they identified a massive market opportunity in North America. So 30% of Americans we now know uh, have at least one tattoo, which is huge. So they raised the capital. Um, and bought a controlling interest in three of the largest and probably the best regarded companies uh, with a combined footprint of 24 clinics across the US. 
So the audacious plan was to merge these clinics, define and align on best practice, and then scale rapidly to 200 clinics and all within a year. Now, Joe recognized that they could create a more value offering and, and, and reduce the risk associated with such rapid growth by starting with the type of research and design that we'd done together uh, back at Bupa. So to achieve the ambitious goal, TRP knew too that they needed to understand the domain better than anybody else. So Joe also knew that it was more than a nation. Um, she, excuse me a second. Do you want me to take over for a bit? No, it's all right. She understood that to be successful, they needed to part. They needed a partner that could. I just lost all my slides and everything. Uh, <laughs> they needed a partner that could connect with the culture that underpins the tattoo removal industry, tap into latent and unmet needs of clients, and build deep empathy between the business stakeholders, the investors, uh, and the clients. Largely unaware to removal techniques such as laser tattoo removal uh, or sometimes even feel too or often feel ashamed to ask for help so what an incredible challenge uh, we, we couldn't believe our luck I'll hand over to Ash yeah so for our work to be successful just to see the light of day it wasn't going to be just about understanding the clients uh, this type of work harks back to my days of, of human factors so to situate design, you must understand the ecosystem and that's the needs, the constraints, capabilities of everyone and everything within the system, not just the clients. Uh, it's also important to note that to design a new system, the, the context isn't just about this point in time. Uh, you also need to understand where it came from, the history and where it's likely to go through cultural trends and, and emerging technologies. So we did a bunch of desk research on tattoo history, culture and, and technology, um, things like trends in health work and laser technology and even ways that uh, investment works. Then we mapped a research approach to, to cover all this. The clinics defined the context of use. Um, the three companies that we were speaking about, they had different approaches and target markets and, and located themselves accordingly. Invisible Inc. was one of them. Uh, they were primarily co-located uh, with dermatologists or cosmetic surgeons, um, and they were in expensive suburbs. This meant they, they often had less space to work in and had to share reception and waiting rooms with doctors, which wasn't always smooth sailing. Um, Eraser Clinic, on the other hand, utilised suites in commercial uh, Class B buildings, the, the type you see along highways in America. The space was cheap and plentiful and, and all the clinics had the same layout, fittings and furnishings. Definery was the last company and they, they had customised each clinic for their local area. They were located in um, a mix of settings from you know, standalone retail on the street to high rise in, in Manhattan. Uh, each of their clinics was extremely different, but they were all decorated with the type of art and furnishings that you might, um, uh, you might feel at home in, uh, in a tattoo studio. And so that was the variety of, of contexts that we were working with. Perhaps most interestingly and importantly, we knew that this was going to be all about the people, the ecosystem. So we learned quickly through discussions with Joe that to be successful, we'd have to uh, ensure we'd consider a complex and wildly via, uh, varying tribal contexts. Um, I love this photo. Everyone looks so unified. Happy, even, I think you'll agree. 
Well, this was where we finally landed after quite a long journey um, of alignment. And this story is the, st the story we're going to tell you about today um, is about just this, this journey. So like any good storyteller, um, I'll start by introducing some of the characters. So firstly, there were the Melbourne-based VCs I mentioned before, Norman B. Capital, with experience in merger and acquisition-based ventures in healthcare. So Norman B. have established a really successful operating model. So once they've acquired foundation companies, they fly in their crack team to cover off any gaps in the acquisitions businesses, and they also build capability. Uh, in this case, they'd set up TRP, as a new venture and landed their team in there um, as temporary measure to get the venture up and running before handing it over to the new leadership team. So Ash Bell and I had worked directly uh, with Joe before, but Chris and Mark were somewhat daunting figures, at least in my, in my mind. They're very successful, no-nonsense guys who I thought would be super conservative and resisted to any design methods. So this couldn't have been, ended up being further from the truth. So day one of the project, I turned up fresh haircuts um, in Austin and in my best shirt and um, shiny shoes to find myself the most dramatically overdressed person in the room. So the Norman B team are incredibly grounded, actually. Uh, they're all about people and treat each venture with the same level of passion and commitment that we do with our project engagement. So we had a sense that this was going to be fun. Next were the founders of the, of the three companies that TRP acquired. Um, <clears throat> each had a, a really different type of founding story and leadership style. Uh, Invisible Inc. was run by a guy with an MBA from MIT. He wanted the company to be the apple of tattoo removal. Uh, it was a corporate vision where, where roles were segmented, there were multiple levels of management and large spends on marketing like, like most large corporates. He was aiming for the wealthier end of the market. A razor clinic, on the other hand, was, was run by a husband and wife team. Um, they really wanted to start the McDonald's of tattoo removal. They, they bought a laser, learned the ropes, and constantly refined their, their offering for efficiency. Once they got it to, to that sweet point, um, they started replicating their operations in, in, uh, as they grew their clinics. Um, these guys were, were aiming primarily at, at soccer mums. And the finery was run by an amazing woman. She wanted to be the whole foods of, of tattoo removal. Coming from the skincare industry, she saw the opportunity in this adjacent space. Um, she invested in a high-end laser, uh, and as the operation grew, she enlisted her family to help. Now, these people forged strong ties in the tattoo industry, and they had lots of clients that were aficionados of, of the art. Um, so, all these three founders, they'd created something successful from scratch. And so understandably, they thought that they had many of the answers. Um, yet all of their companies had reached a plateau of growth. So they knew something uh, could be improved on there. Then there's the artists. Uh, tattoo culture has a long, rich history. Many branches slides and that. styles. Behind with your slides. Uh, am I? It seems to be fine here. Oh, okay. I am. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, uh, yeah, so it, it, it's, a, it's a very insular um, group, the, these, these artists. Uh, before we went into, in, into the field, um, we all learned about the history of the art, uh, the cultural trends and cycles it's gone through as it evolved from 
crudely based rites of passage to the high-end art of today. Now, to get anywhere with the artists, um, it was described to us, you had to be of the industry. Uh, outsiders uh, were, were often regarded as, as narcs. Um, so we relied heavily on the finery to make um, warm introductions. This allowed Simon Bell and I um, to, to get to speak open, openly with, with high-end artists and studio managers in New York. Now, some of our tattoo, uh, so, some of our team uh, are actually tattooed as well. Um, so they were a perfect fit uh, as we continued the research in the field. Of course, we also had the staff of these companies and their cultures to consider. Um, Invisible Ink separated sales, treatment and management roles. Uh, taking that, that corporate approach I was talking about, they had layers of management from clinic to area to region. Uh, most of their clinics only had one consultant and one laser technician. Um, so if either couldn't make it in, the, the clinic actually had to close until uh, someone um, returned. The staff were also insulated from each other uh, because Invisible Ink was the most geographically spread out of all the companies. Um, and most of the staff had never even visited another clinic. Um, completely uh, opposite to that was Eraser. They, they combined the role of sales and treatment and staff would rotate their roles uh, throughout the day. Um, all staff also knew each other um, as when you become a new staff, you have working interviews in multiple clinics. It's actually the staff that are, that are interviewing new staff. Um, and then you train in more clinics and uh, eventually you've, you've cycled through all the clinics before you end up in the one you actually work in. They also did rotating shifts with three people to a clinic doing five day rotations. Um, this allowed for any sickness, holidays uh, or, or cover and staff could easily switch between clinics as well because all the clinics were set up in the same way. These dedicated folks were, were really proud to call themselves erasers and uh, because they all knew each other from, from day dot, they had close ties. The finery was uh, a great matriarchal stru structure and the company actually grew organically and had no consistency in roles, uh, but it was lovely. Uh, some people did both sales and treatment, others did just one role. Uh, the family, they, they acted as a leadership layer, but unfortunately there were no clear lines of responsibility or accountability. Um, things, things just happened and they got done. The, the culture was extremely close-knit as the staff were, were actually considered extended family uh, and they always celebrated their success together. Then there were the clients. Um, so each of the companies were aware that they were only serving a part of a much bigger potential market. Each had a particular type of client that they knew well, but they were keen to tap into the adjacent markets and anything that was unknown. Now, you have to realize that laser tattoo removal is a long and painful process. It's not butterfly kisses. Uh, so people have to be highly motivated to go through it. Um, and those motivations range from one end uh, being for intrinsic reasons. So their identity has changed and their tattoos no longer reflect who they used to be or their taste has matured in, in the art and they want to remove uh, you know, past art that they now think is bad to make way for something better. Or on the other end, it can be for extrinsic reasons. So things like the benefit of pers pursuing a new stage of life outweighs the value of their old tattoo. 
uh, whether that new stage be, you know, a new career, a new relationship, or even becoming a parent. Um, or the other extrinsic reason was, was a really powerful one, um, that their tattoo serves as a painful reminder of something that's happened to them, whether that be an abusive relationship, a, a gang affiliation, or, or even things like being branded for sex tra trafficking. Yeah, so for us, thanks, Ash, getting the right team together was essential on this project. It was clear from the start that this was going to be a, a road trip um, of epic proportions. Um, awesome for some, but not everybody likes to live out of a suitcase for weeks on end. Because of the diversity of the stakeholders involved, we also knew that to be successful with the ethnographic research we wanted to conduct, we needed diversity in our own team as well. So we're lucky at Tobias. Uh, that we have this already and as a purpose-driven culture we we do attract people with passion and resilience in bundles so Ash and Liv two of our younger colleagues uh, leapt at the opportunity so there was no way or I were going to miss out on this once in a lifetime chance either so between us we had most of the bases covered so we had a good mix of senior midweight and juniors involved 20 somethings to 50 somethings uh, we had gender diversity and some of the younger crew even had ink on their, uh, of their own. So Daz in particular has a passion for tattoo arts and great work. So all of this helped us to connect across the stakeholder spectrum and quickly build trust in the field. So the fit was so good that we lost Liv uh, for an extended period towards the end of the project actually when Joel stole her for a month to work out of Austin. So Ash and Bell got the, the younger guys up to speed with our research techniques in the field and then rotated uh, through the period of the research to ensure that they had support. Uh, my role was mainly to connect with the VCs, the founding partners and the investors and connect them to our methods, the research insight and the opportunities we'd uncovered. Uh, I'd never had more fun as a lot of these discussions happened uh, late at night informally so long after the formal activities of the day had ended. Um, the investors, another critical component of this. For us, it's pretty unusual to get close to the investors or the backers of the often quite large projects that we take on. So we have to fight to get meaningful time with senior stakeholders in corporate Australia or even in government. So it, in this case, though, it was uh, clear from the start that we'd have to play a really big role in managing communications between the VCs uh, and the large investors who were affectionately introduced to us as the Bondi billionaires. So these guys were savvy investors who made their fortunes early through tech ventures. So they were highly personable, but also super analytical thinkers. So they were actually a great check and a balance for us, uh, digging deep into the research findings to ensure its validity and to remove any assumptions. So this was always done uh, in the most respectful, I have to say, and engaging manner, more often than not in social contexts, which made it feel more like a, an intellectual encounter than a business venture. And as strong advocates of robust evidence-based design, you know, we, we loved it, both Ash and I and the rest of the team. So that was all the, all the cogs in the machine of this ecosystem that we had to come to understand. The, the context of the clinics, the VCs, the company founders, tattoo artists, um, staff, our own team, and the investors. Uh, of course, 
we had to map out a research plan and, and then get underway. So for the client research, um, we just use service rooms across the country to hold 90 minute depth interviews with the types of clients that three companies were already serving, as well as anyone with a tattoo that fell outside their normal demographic and psychographic. Um, we'd plan these sessions in Austin where tattoos are a cultural norm, Kansas City where tattoos are pretty much frowned upon, uh, and New York City where there's a spectrum of acceptability. We did metaphor elicitation to, to understand their motivations and they helped us map their journey from getting it, uh, even wanting a tattoo in the first place to, to wanting it removed. Um, we also had them walk us through how they would find a, a tattoo removal service. On the other side of the coin, we also had to do contextual research in clinics. Um, we were seeking both high and low performing clinics across the country from each of the three companies. Um, as well as investigating the, the variety of contexts they existed in. Our plan in clinics was to observe both clinical and operational practice, um, conduct depth interviews with staff and perform client intercepts wherever possible. We also did aerial surveillance with the drone for context um, and time and motion mapping of reception, consult and treatment. Along the way, uh, we gathered plenty of uh, sketches, video, uh, audio, photos, and artifacts for, for analysis back home. That was the research we planned to do, but opportunities came up along the way. We were constantly replanning and rescheduling to adapt to things that we learned as, as the project progressed. Whilst we were researching the, the East Coast, um, we actually noticed that there was no footprint in the West Coast uh, and not many operations servicing the area. So um, we switched things up and made plans to do client research in, in LA as well to, to understand more unknown clients. Um, also during the, the project, TRP uh, ended up acquiring a fourth company in Toronto, Canada. Uh, so when we got the chance, we, we popped up there to understand how they operated and see if it was uh, radically different from, from the three that were already there. We also found the opportunity to, to tag along with the mobile clinic. Um, this was a band that, that went out and serviced areas outside the metro cities. Now, this gave us an insight not only into a mobile operation, but also the importance of the relationships forged with artists in these areas and an insight into how the service actually really helped them. Uh, while we were in Philly, um, we were doing some clinic research in Philly. Uh, we, we actually cut that short and made a detour um, because we heard of a, a convention out in Wildwood in New Jersey. Um, and we got to, to just go out there and hang out, um, chat to artists and clients and, and observe how things went. And that's an important point. You should never let a, a solid research plan get in the way of opportunistic moments. The mobile clinics and convention were, were very different perspectives that we could have never have gained by sticking rigidly to a plan. Taking an anthropological approach is about flexing so you can experience more uh, to, to better understand and appreciate a culture. It's never about how many people you speak to. Um, it's also uh, always about the, the depth and how much you can learn. Now, at Tobias, um, one of our values is serious things done with a sense of play. Um, now, that's important for so many reasons. Uh, apart from being able to enjoy your work, because often it's, it's quite intensive, uh, it's also about being able to relax and immerse yourself, forming lasting relationships with those you're designing with and for. 
we did this in, in so many ways, but uh, starting with co-locating with, with the leadership in their office in Austin. Um, I know it's all different now with COVID restrictions, but at the time it was important for us just to spend time to uh, and work out in the open to, to help build trust with them. And you can't overemphasize the, the value of sharing a meal and drinks after hours. People change when they're sharing good food. Uh, they shed their work barriers, let down their guard uh, and connect on a human level. Now, thankfully, there's plenty of good barbecue in Texas, swanky bars in New York, and as you can see here, Chinese as well, uh, and lobster in Boston. Um, so uh, we, we made sure that we made those moments to, to share there. We also got to, to hang out together on the road, forging strong relationships with our own team, um, as well as forming new ones with the people we met. Uh, you know, as I said, it was, it was long hours, so, so we had to be able to to know how not to step on each other's feet. Um, uh, so it was a, an important point. Um, after hours, we, we also headed out with, with staff and we, we did the types of things that they enjoy. And I'm still kicking myself that I missed uh, seeing Daz uh, when he went two-stepping. At one point, uh, we were even invited uh, on a company retreat by the finery. Now, this was going to be glamping at the Founders Lake House in Raymond, Maine. Um, and the timing was completely terrible. It didn't coincide with our, our research schedule. In fact, it conflicted in so many ways, but this was a really important point. Um, and so, of course, we rebooked our flights and rescheduled around it because it was a golden opportunity in which we got to know not only the staff of one company really well, um, but also the VCs and investors because they were also coming along. So at every opportunity, uh, we became part of every team we interacted with. We, we hung out, we pitched in, we consoled, guided and advised. So during our research phase, um, we were in the field over a 13 week period doing research across 12 cities uh, that covered 38 consumer deaths, 10 clinics, 47 client interrupts in clinics, 177 client exit surveys, um, 50 staff interviews, 36 stakeholder engagements, 13 tattoo artist interviews, and countless discussions over food and drinks in hallways or even via Slack DMs and text messages. We learned so much along the way. But what's the point of research if you don't do something about it? Yeah, thanks, Ash. So insights to action for us is all about connecting decision makers and executors and implementers to insights. So soaking them in the research to drive empathy and positive outcomes. But this is not just about stakeholder workshops or strategic prioritization or road mapping exercises at the end of the project. Um, it's more analogous to starting a movement. So creating deep connection throughout an engagement. It's about designing the change itself. So this needs to start if not before, but in the very first alignment session with stakeholders and carries on through everything we do from daily research playbacks that Ash mentioned, co-design sessions once the implementation roadmap had been agreed. Uh, it extended to, it should extend and did, to partner briefings uh, and also throughout the iterative design process. So as you can imagine, we'd accumulated masses of high quality data through the process Ash has laid out. We'd analyzed, synthesized, and identified incredibly valuable opportunities to optimize the service. But we knew that with a few notable exceptions, data on its own 
lacks its own uh, power to lacks power to engage, build community, and drive movements which are necessary to deliver the change. The, the true value of research is only really unlocked if we're able to translate this insight into action. So we dialed up the visual communication and storytelling skills as, we, uh, as well as facilitated workshops. If we want to change, particularly in complex organizations, we need to bake it into the process. Connecting with people was at the heart of this project. Uh, so we knew that to be successful here, we had to live, as Ash said, our core value doing serious things with that sense of play. And we needed to build it into every activity we took the clients on. So right from the start, we set about creating a culture for success. We established a house visual style early on with the help of the wonderful Alan Chen uh, to ensure that the client's uh, teams saw us as allies and not a threat. So this tattoo-inspired mission statement is an example and a very powerful way to establish a common sense of purpose and to remove the ambiguity of words at the same time. And it went immediately viral. So meticulous planning also goes into designing effective change. And this sometimes includes designing sets and events to ensure creative collisions and thinking in the open. So for the TRP venture, the project teams were split across um, our clients HQ in Austin and also our Sydney office. So we needed to have a strong and engaging presence and aligned in each of those places. Uh, at critical points, we were working 24 seven across the two time zones. So we needed a very structured approach to manage the project spaces we created too. So another part of creating this culture of change was um, we placed huge emphasis on visual storytelling. So when we were on the road in the States late last year, we established a rhythm of playing back the findings at the end of each day of field research. No matter where we were, we'd find a way. Uh, the polish in the decks that Daz, Bell and Liv put together helped us draw in the key people throughout the research activities. So it became a must-see event each day, which helped us capture the attention of critical stakeholders and the leadership teams. It connected them quickly with the emerging insights and ultimately prepared them uh, and got them on board for what was to come. We used photography, typography and verbatims to create connection and to reduce cognitive load so that the stakeholders could quickly pass complex information, insights and connect emotionally with needs. So all of these things came together in full day in a full day research playback workshop where we soaked the VCs, the investors, the founders, the four practices and the staff in the insights. So we followed this up with four very, very full days uh, of facilitated workshops where we assessed the opportunities on the table, co-created an implementation roadmap, we co-designed critical clinical and operational protocols and, and, and even defined the brand foundations for the new business. By the end of the workshops in Austin, we got to this point. We had achieved our goal. We had happy people. We had alignment, which was wonderful. But I wanted to rewind a bit to a critical factor in the success, the fact that we'd been able to bring people along this challenging journey. So mergers are complicated. Even in our own sector, we've seen the challenges of two quite different cultures bumping up, bumping heads. And this was no exception. So the founders of the niche businesses, the Finery, Invisible Ink and Eraser, 
had established strong cultures based on passion and purpose. And this merger represented a very big challenge to these identities. So we had to find ways to connect, to hear and understand the very real fears of staff uh, who were concerned about everything from their job security to loss of trust with their clients, uh, even potential conflicts with their own identities. So many of the relationships in the tattoo and tattoo removal world are extremely personal. So the idea of becoming somehow corporatized created tension. For the founding partners too, it was an exciting but confronting experience. So they were clearly successful businesses in their own right, built from the ground up through entrepreneurial spirit. So this venture would challenge the way in which they ran their businesses and again, even their identities. So Ash talked about the informal interactions, um, bar sessions, late night bar sessions, dinners in Chinatown, situations where we could explore barriers as people. These were massively important. But to merge these cultures profoundly, we also needed more formal approaches. So whilst the team was on the road, uh, Bell and I, um, in the background with Joe, devised ways to drive connection between the three very different cultures in the newly formed partnership. So this culminated, it was fantastic, culminated an invitation to come to Manhattan, of all places, to facilitate a workshop which brought together the companies. So our aim, again, was to create a safe and creative context, which gave the staff and the leadership a chance to think about the possibilities of moving from a very small company to joining forces with and learning from each other to become an industry leader. And again, we used tattoo-inspired illustration uh, and a Voyager discovery metaphor to explore the change. Um, the workshops were a fantastic success. Um, Feedback was extremely positive, and they helped to establish a much deeper connection between the three brands, and in one case for the first time. So in playing back the insights from the clinic research and workshop activities later, we leveraged references from pop culture to create connection across the newly formed partnership, presenting each company's superpowers that could dominate this market. One of the fundamental findings that really shone out was that despite their differences, all three of these companies shared a view that people are their greatest assets. They're at the heart uh, and also the secret of their success. Back to you, Ash. So during the, the Stronger Together workshops, um, we actually discovered that the, the common purpose that all staff had was, was just to help people leave the past behind and start a new chapter of their lives it motivated them to do the best they could every day uh, because they actually saw that visceral impact that they had um, on people's lives and, and mental states as they removed the tattoos. Now, at the, at the time, uh, the Finery um, had a free program for ex-cons. It was a bit haphazard, uh, assessed on an individual basis and done whenever they had the capacity. But the stories that came out was something that the, the Finery staff were all so proud of while we were doing these uh, these workshops, um, the finery were actually in the media for helping a man called Terence Lewis remove his prison tattoos. Now, he'd been incarcerated for, for 21 years, but was found to be wrongfully convicted. Staff from all three companies saw this in the media, um, and they were just so excited to, to see the impact that they could have we immediately recommended that they formalise this ink program to, to not only give back to society, 
but help retain the staff they have, and more importantly, to attract the right kind of staff to be able to scale in the ambitious way that they wanted to. Now, I'd argue that the job of a laser, te laser technician actually requires more empathy and emotional support than the skill of operating a laser. So today, uh, the INC program has been formalised as initiative, which is a give one, get one model. So everyone who completes their tattoo removal journey that, that pays for it, um, the, the company is uh, providing a free removal service. Um, and that's for, for people who have been incarcerated, uh, survivors of, of human trafficking or, or domestic abuse, uh, people with hate tattoos they want to remove, um, people who are branded as gang members or have tattoos on their hands, neck and face that um, are holding them back from, from uh, progressing with their life. Um, so I'll just show you the, the launch video for this. Okay. So the project communications, depth of insight and recommendations were so well received that we were asked to support TRP with the execution of their strategy. Um, starting with the design and the development of a truly evidence-based brand. So we identified normalizing tattoo removal as our North Star during the brand workshop in Austin. And we drew on research to align on values, purpose, and to distill everything down, boiling it down into a brand essence, empowerment. The, the process of becoming stronger and more confident, especially in controlling one's life and claiming one's rights. So this was a fantastic brand foundation to build on. Um, and we are super lucky to have Braddon and Daz in Sydney with Bell. As I mentioned before, Liv, Ash and, and I briefed the team uh, and we ran a 24-7 cycle. So then we briefed them at the end of each day and they were able to walk back into the room the next morning with absolutely beautifully crafted um, branded artifacts. We settled on a, um, we settled on a name and built out a brand uh, expression that forges connections between clients, employees, and the broader tattoo ecosystem. We developed, a, we, de we, we developed brand and values that directly map to the research insights and authentic expression, which places people at the very heart. And now this, this brand is now being rolled out across North America. The house style, as I mentioned before, we created to communicate research uh, insights was so effective that elements of this have been carried all the way through to the final brand executions, which I find incredibly exciting. Uh, it speaks to the authenticity of the findings and the, and the process. Uh, and here's one of the posters to bring that to life we created for the launch of the brand uh, a couple of months back. We also wove it into the marketing strategy, bringing it to life in a way that deliberately blurred the lines between clients and staff. So the strategy served multiple purposes. It, it needed to establish brand awareness uh, and leadership in new markets. It needed to grow demand among potential clients from different market segments. And it needed to recruit a workforce of um, passionate, empathetic tattoo removal specialists. So to do this, we proposed a marketing approach that focused on connecting with clients, prospect storytelling, stories told by removery tattoo removal specialists to the staff, mapping their lived experience to customer archetypes. 
We were also engaged to help operationalize the strategy. Uh, we spent three, three or four months designing and executing on a broad range of initiatives spanning everything from the built environment through process and protocol definition, developing operational and CX playbooks. We defined the, the digital strategy, which included a website that would meet the needs of the business by answering the critical questions raised in research. We also ended up producing, creating a brand tone of voice and style guides, as well as content for social awareness campaigns. Ash, tell us a little bit more about the built environment. Yeah, so our research um, identified that the best type of store is uh, standalone retail um, and located in, in middle-class suburbs, places not considered either too bougie or, or scary or not too, uh, and, and things that weren't too medicalized or, or too arty. We clawed back space that was used for, for consult and skin treatment rooms to, to create larger combined consult treatment rooms with, with plenty of room to, to both operate the, the laser and dedicated space for clinical photography. Standards were set for, for these rooms to be most efficient for, for laser operation and also comfortable for the clients. Natural light was sealed off, as was sound, um, the tack, tack, tack of laser uh, operation. Um, uh, it can induce some anxiety, much like the, the sound of a drill at the dentist. Uh, and the room temperature was controlled for both optimal laser operation and client comfort. Um, we also informed the way the brand should be applied to, to signage and fit out. We, we guided the design of the environment to ensure that everyone would feel safe, comfortable and accepted in this space, whether they're wearing Prada or crudely drawn face tattoos. Another important aspect was getting the staff involved in defining their new ways of working. Um, together, we identified and developed a set of operational and clinical protocols that would not only lift all operations to the same level, but beyond all other laser tattoo removal operations and strategically set them up to stay ahead of the game and potentially break into new areas. Simple things like developing a protocol to get consistent, high quality clinical uh, photos uh, of tattoos at every treatment, um, because these not only provide good evidence that they can show on their website of, of how well it works in the form of before and after shots, but when paired with laser settings and client lifestyle data, it also provides rich dermatological um, uh, clinical data set to help them continuously improve their, their efficacy. Efficiencies and consistency were, were co-created in everything, uh, from the consult process to approaches to treatment and aftercare. Yeah, then the protocols were matched with the customer experience guidelines and service blueprints to ensure a consistent best practice experience across all of the sites. Now, hopefully the volume will work for this. Yes. Well, well. No, I can't. <laughs> I can't hear any of this. Yeah, we'll have to share oh, the link okay. later. <laughs> we'll we'll share it later. Unplug your headphones. Yeah, I tried that before. Okay. And I just switched everything off. <laughs> um, so anyway, basically, uh, Joe uh, was just talking about how we'd we'd been able to bring these together, and um, she was amazed that you know they they didn't expect uh, five five pages worth of of guidelines, uh, but we ended up with one hundred and fifty three. Uh, worth of guidelines that they use as their Bible now um, as they 
uh, expand their operations. So this was a merger and acquisition of, of at first three, then four companies. So by deeply immersing ourselves with all of the different cultures at play, uh, putting people at the heart, we're able to gain trust and drive authentic experiences and valuable outcomes for clients, staff and investors. Yeah, so they started with the 24 clinics. They're now up to, despite COVID, they're up to 36 and are on track because it's the US uh, to scale to 200 locations across North America. Um, so no competitors can come anywhere near them. So they're set to own this category. This is the power of human-centered design, even when applied to merger and acquisition play. Uh, well, we were hoping to leave you with a lovely final expression of who they are. It's a lovely video they created in-house, which uh, tells the story. do it in silence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they see themselves these days and talk about themselves as the tattoo removal people. It's going to be a bit weird in silence, Ash. Maybe you should sing. <laughs> we'll send a few links around later. Yeah. It's all on YouTube. Thank you. Thank you very much, everyone. It's been a privilege uh, to be able to share this experience with you. I hope it inspires you. These kind of clients are out there, few and far between, but great when they come. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Ash. Pleasure, mate.